You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. little coach there and you see now all the way out here this is just the level of the tribute that we've been seeing from the people of cincinnati as they keep trying to send up those prayers and that support for demar hamlin as you mentioned at the top the breathing tube was taken out of hamlin uh, last night by those physicians who are looking after him that is the most promising news at this point just yesterday the doctors here told us they wanted to make sure that he could get to that stage they didn't have any timeline on that well it happened one day later And at some point soon, we may be getting a chance to hear him walk out of this hospital. That may not come today. That may not come tomorrow, but sometime in the uh, the days down the way. Calling these 513. Welcome to the program. It's Big Noon Sports. You're just hearing a report out of Cincinnati concerning and updating the progress. And I will, again, use the word from yesterday, remarkable progress of DeMar Hamlin, the safety for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, His breathing tubes have been removed. And um, I I think as you heard briefly in that report, he is now talking with family, uh, with medical staff, obviously, uh, as I think he did that yesterday. And they did the FaceTime with his team back to Buffalo, and that was very, very well received. It's uh, Christian Miller. It's Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. I hope everybody's doing well today. Yeah, doing really good. Uh, What a story on DeMar Hamlin. It just grows more compelling, not just uh, by the day, but by the hour. Uh, We continually get updates that are just, uh, I mean, you said it yesterday, Matt, the the one word that comes to mind is is miraculous. And uh, I think that's exactly what is what is happening here. The fact that he is now off the ventilator that he was able to communicate uh, with his team via FaceTime and uh, in, in, in part of the audio that we didn't hear is one of the first things that DeMar Hamlin did when he's on the, the big screen, right? So the Bills, uh, the Bills, are, the Bills are presumably in a large auditorium. Right. And, and, um, and Sean McDermott, their coach, said, uh, hey, we got a surprise coming. And so the players, I think they kind of knew but weren't sure. And one of the first things that uh, DeMar did, he flexed. He awesome. flexed. He flexed. And then he uh, kept giving the heart symbol over his heart uh, to express his love for his teammates. And uh, it just uh, an incredible recovery from uh, cardiac arrest uh, that he uh, experienced uh, it, on, on Monday night. And this is important, and, and Sean McDermott went out of his way to say this, that it was one team member in particular, and that's assistant athletic director Danny Kellington. He was praised by McDermott for saving his life, and it was Kellington who administered <clears throat> the, the critical CPR to Hamlin, uh, who doctors say lost his pulse on the field, and had to be immediately revived through resuscitation and and with a defibrillator. 
um, and just uh, for an assistant trainer to have the composure, uh, the bravery, uh, to know exactly what to do, the courage uh, to uh, it's just to right away go into action, you know. And, and I know they're trained to do that, Matt. But it's it's one thing to train; it's another thing to do it in real time, in front of millions and millions of people. I can't imagine, and I haven't even taken the opportunity or thought to be in that position. Ah. Uh, you have to think immediately, you have to think quickly, and more importantly, as he did, you have to think accurately. And I, you get out there, you assess the situation, and you go. And that's exactly what he did, and then the entire staff, and then getting them to UC Medical uh, was critical. And uh, I, just, I, I just am absolutely uh, heartwarmed by what happened in less than four days. I mean, this guy's doing FaceTime. From his hospital room. I was concerned, and you and I talked about this on and off the air, but based on the fact that he was out there for nine minutes, it was obviously, uh, it was obvious to me that they had used a defibrillator on the field. Yes. Um, and, and his heart, as we have now heard reports, probably stopped twice, if not more. And they boom, boom, boom. They get, And I worry about the blood flow. We've, we've yes. talked about this, and, and we've, we've got instances that prove that out. This, however, did not, and God bless him. And uh, I want to—I've—I've I've been researching this because I—I I frankly didn't know how all of this worked. But in a cardiac arrest, the heart is no longer pumping blood, which means no oxygen is traveling to the brain and other organs. So seconds matter. The longer a person goes without oxygen, the chances of organ damages increase. Right. Uh, Organ damage increases and the chances of survival decrease. But CPR mimics a a pumping heart and that keeps the blood flowing and a a defibrillator shocks the heart, which can cause it to start beating again. So the fact that that CPR was administered for those nine minutes, those nine critical minutes, keeping his heart pumping. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And I, I before before all this, I you know I fashioned myself as a fairly well educated person. I thought when you're administering CPR that the blood was not flowing to the brain, but no, it it really acts as uh, 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 as a secondary source to keep the blood going, and that is clearly uh, what not. It just didn't save his life. But it saved his neurological function. Exactly. And, and I kind of have to, to uh, definitely fall on the side of ignorance here. I thought once you did the CPR, you got the heart going. But apparently in this case, they just had to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Thus, the result, which is just miraculous. Yeah. And uh, and in this, uh, um, this trainer who I'm talking about, uh, Danny Kellington, um, and, and, and I, th- I, I think what the Bills are going to honor him in some form or fashion on Sunday when they take on the Bills, and he may actually lead the Bills out onto the field, or, or they may just announce the training staff instead of the, the starters. But he's been on the staff uh, since 2017. Uh, he was an athletic trainer at Syracuse for 11 years. 
uh, and he was the head athletic trainer uh, for the uh, for the football team for six years. And he also uh, served as a graduate student athletic trainer at Ohio State. And, you know, it, it when I uh, – before I had my first kid, uh, Lincoln, uh, April and I went and did like, you know, a, a CPR class. But I got to tell you, I mean, I, I know you do like the two fingers up from the sternum. And you, you do the chest compressions, but uh, if if I were in that situation, it it, it would be tough. But um, so uh, apparently, uh, there is some video or audio, I should say. And at eight fifty five p.m. Eastern, that's when Hamlin hit the ground, right? So we know he makes the tackle on T. Higgins. He immediately stands up. He's up for maybe seven, eight, nine seconds, and then he collapses. And someone can be heard, go over to the cot. I don't like how he went down. And then a few seconds later, another voice says, we're going to need everybody. All call, all call. And then within a minute, several other cries go out for personnel to rush to the field. And then between 9.12 and 9.20, so we're talking about 17 minutes and 25 minutes after he first went down, personnel can be heard requesting another medic and emergency equipment for the ambulance. And it's the, the rapid response uh, that night. It's been repeatedly praised by not just the NFL, but just everyone. I mean, it, 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 is, it is, again, I go back to that word. It's a miracle that this young man um not not just survived but appears to you know again have all neurological functions intact and and the fact that uh he is now speaking the the vent the 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 ventilator he's off the ventilator the the breathing tube has been taken out taken out and he's speaking to his parents and spoke to the bills uh, you know, it's. I'm sure he's a little hard. It's hard to understand because he hasn't. Well, he had a for, breathing apparatus removed from his body. I yeah. imagine his throat is raw. Yes, exactly. But um, th- th- this story just keeps getting um, more heartwarming because Matt, I, I have to. I I got to be honest. I-, I I didn't think this young man was going to make it. And now. Uh... I'm a little bit hesitant, but good grief with the progress. I think it's a legitimate question. Christian Miller, I'm going to throw this fastball high and tight. Is this guy going to play again? I, I think you got to direct that towards the doctors. I, I have no uh, experience on anything remotely close to this. Um, you know, I, I think first and foremost that their main focus is to, to allow him to, to live a long, healthy life, and then they can address and assess from there. Um, but – Hey, I mean, if I guess if all his vital functions return to how they were previously before the injury and there's no, uh, I guess, um, heightened risks of him, you know, um, you know, further, you know, causing any more um, damage to his body or, or anything uh, to that nature, I could imagine he could potentially return. Um, you know, I know that's a long shot right now and that's probably the last thing they're thinking about, but it is a valid question, Matt. Um, and I think. I, I I don't I don't I wouldn't say I wouldn't rule it out just yet. Um, only because of how well he's responding. Not with this guy. 
Yeah, you know, the way he's responding right now, I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, I, again, just so much praise for the, those, the medical staff just performing in such a timely manner under immense pressure. Uh, not only that, guys, but just think about it. They had to have flawless execution with this. Um, you know, they can ha- be trained on what to do, but you have to go out there and actually do it. Under all that pressure is just truly remarkable. So just um, so much respect uh, to that training staff and everybody involved. And it's such great news uh, each day. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to hopefully keep hearing great news each day about DeMar Hamlin. Christian, on the other side, I want to ask you about how much time does the typical football player, both in college and in the NFL, spend with the training staff and just how important the training staff is in uh, in making sure that the players are okay? I should have a great answer we for that, Lord, because <laughs> I spend a lot yeah. of time in the training room. Yeah, you did. Unfortunately, you you had your share of injuries as well. Cole Thompson, who is a reporter out of Houston, former uh, Alabama student and uh, a student of Lars Anderson, he'll join us in the second hour to talk about that. Also, Steve Irvine to talk about Dilfer, UAB, and their uh, unbelievable game, unfortunately, and a loss last night down in Florida. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. A story of first downs and second chances. Meet former pro football player Michael Robinson. I wanted to keep playing, but my feet hurt. And all those big league experts couldn't have... Partially sunny with a high at 63. And Sunday cloudy, some light rain at times during the day. Sunday's high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Up there, we can find that as well. Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller and Colbert Large Anderson. Appreciate you folks dialing us in. A little chilly, but actually a, a beautiful, sunny winter afternoon in the state of Alabama. We thank those that are listening. In our Birmingham area, also Tuscaloosa, Aniston, and Gadsden. Yeah, Christian, uh, before the break, I, I mentioned that I wanted to talk to you about the importance of trainers and the training staffs that you have been associated with. Uh, it, it's my understanding that basically you spend more time with the trainers than you do uh, your coaches. Is that correct? And, and just uh, – Try to uh, pull back the curtain for us as, as to what those relationships have been like for you over the years, both at Alabama and in the NFL. Um, yeah, so I, I, I have a lot of experience with that, um, fortunately and unfortunately. Um, I, w- I will say so when you say trainers, if you're ret- referring to like athletic trainers and medical staff, I would say you don't spend quite as much time with them as you do uh, the strength coaches. Right. So I would say you spend the most time with, you know, the strength staff. Um, because look, the off-season program, you're with those guys in the weight room. Um, you know, they, they help, you know, put on like all the off-season stuff, whether it's, you know, like seven on seven events that they, they participate in when the coaches can't really help out with that. So you're with them a lot of the time, right? But then the athletic training staff, um, they're imperative to, to a club's success because, um, ultimately the quality of, of that athletic, uh, staff and, and department, um, athletic, athletic training staff and department, you know they're 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 going to dictate the health of the team. You know they're they're responsible for players returning in a timely manner. 
Um, but furthermore, they, they also contribute to even just what we call prehab. You know, there's been, you know, countless hours that guys spend in the, in the, you know, the training room, um, doing prehab exercises, which they might say, Hey, you know, your, your core is a little weak. Let's do some core exercises twice a week to help strengthen those muscles. That way that done, you know, direct, directly, uh, hinder your, your, your performance on the field because, you know, weak core leads to, you know, weak glutes and weak glutes can, can contribute to the back issues or um, hamstring issues or, or, or soft tissue issue, uh, soft tissue injury. So um, there's so much that goes into that. And then you look at it from the emergency side, like a situation with DeMar Hamlin and, you know, players put their trust in, in this staff, right? Like you have to trust them to be able to nurse you back when you get hurt. And if anything goes wrong, they're, they're supposed to be there to, to help you out. And we've seen that with this DeMar Hamlin situation. We see it when guys tear their ACLs. You're putting full trust in them to be able to nurse you back and get you, you know, back to to the speed that you were at before the injury. And so that's why it's it's vital to have a, a trustworthy training staff, um, a la at Alabama. You know, everybody has so much trust and faith in Jeff Allen and his staff um, because all the all the success that they've had, you know, working with guys with injuries. You know, you want to credit guys, um, even you know, Dr. Kane and Dr. Andrews, those guys, the team surgeons. You know, um, they've operated on me. They've helped me come back. You know, I tore my bicep. Uh, my left biceps tendon in 2017 against Florida State um, was supposed to be out for the season, but uh, with the the help and uh, contribution of the athletic training staff, you know, Dr. Kane doing my surgery, I was able to get back in a timely manner and return before the end of the regular season. And ultimately, we went on to win a national championship that year. So, um, so much goes into that, and it's so critical to have a, a trustworthy and a knowledgeable, you know, athletic training room um, because it's. It's pivotal in having uh, a team success because I'm telling you, when guys go down, um, you need those guys getting back on the field and in in the right way too, not rushing and not doing it, you know, you know, in, in a in a bad fashion, but doing it the right way, getting them back on the field that way they can help contribute. Um, am I correct in saying this that Jeff Allen is the longest tenured staff member under Nick Saban? Matt, do you know that? I do not know. He's he's definitely Jeff one Allen, of them. I'm pretty sure at this point, yeah, he he should be. He's been with him a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. And and before that, it was uh, I think he was tied with Scotty Cochran, and uh, and and um, I think that just underscores the importance of consistency and continuity and trust right. that uh, that that the head coach has in um, in 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 the in the head athletic trainer. Um, and, uh, and, and clearly Jeff Allen is one of the best in the, in, in the country, if not the best, uh, when it comes to, uh, college football, just how, how important is Jeff Allen to the entire program at, at Alabama? Oh, he's huge. I mean, he's a critical piece to the recipe there. Um, and again, the, the key word is trust, right? You know, and it's, it comes from both sides. Coach Saban trusts Jeff Allen. Um, to come up with a game plan to get guys back on the field when they do go down with injuries. But it's also vital that the players trust him with their injuries because, again, um, he's the expert, right? You know, and we, we understand, you know, you know, what an ankle injury is or a knee injury is, but we don't necessarily know all the ins and outs and what it requires. So we are putting our trust in him 
to give us a, a rehab program or a game plan on what to do to be able to get back on the football field as soon as possible and make sure that we're getting out there um, fully healthy before we do return. And, and it's so key because um, I've been around programs where, you know, guys don't necessarily trust the training staff and there's a lot of friction and the guys are saying, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't, want, I don't trust it yet. I don't want to go out there and play yet. Um, versus when you do have a lot of trust throughout um, the athletics training staff, you know, guys uh, full-heartedly go in there with confidence. They go and attack the rehab process. They end up on the field, and they're back better than ever. So Jeff Allen, Jeff Allen is a major key. You know, he's helped me out um, over the course of my time in Alabama, but not even just as for his efforts in, in returning guys um, from injuries, but also just his character. Um, he is one of the most respectful and caring guys you'll ever meet. He treats everybody in that program with utmost respect um, from the the, um, the the students that are in there that are just doing internship uh, things to the, the players, to the other staff. Um, he's just such a likable guy, so charismatic, and he just cares so much about the players as if you're his own children. And uh, I'm always grateful for him. And, uh, again, just a, a wonderful piece. And I hope we can hold on to him because he definitely is one of the best in the business. Joe yeah, Gaither it, it, from Tide yeah. chimed in here and said that uh, Allen is the last original member of the 2007 staff. Uh, when and, you're going, and Saban through, refers to him as the last man standing. He's the OG. <laughs> when you're going through, when you're going through all of this, whether you have an injury or not, Christian, are you given like a menu of what you need to work on, where you need to stretch, where you need to lift, in, in order to because they've got to know your body makeup better than your mom. Yeah. So do they give you specific instructions on what to work out, not only to strengthen the injury, but to avoid others? 100%. You're, you're exactly right, Matt. And so what they do is they work hand-in-hand hand with the strength staff, right? So when you come in, you'll do physicals. You'll do all type of tests and assessments, especially when these recruits first get here. They'll, hell, they'll even do stuff you know, when they're on visits, right? They come in, they assess your body. They're going to figure out, you know, they're going to do hamstring tests. We call them Nordic tests. You get on a, uh, you strap your ankles in and you have to, to fall forward, let your body fall forward. And you have to fire your hamstrings and they have a graph on a computer that's showing spikes and power and how much output your hamstrings are putting. It's going to show if you're, if a guy has weak hamstrings, they have tests to show ankle and hip flexibility and mobility. They're going to look at all these things. They're going to assess it, and they're going to come up with an individual plan for each guy. And they're going to say, hey, this guy has you know, poor ankle and hip mobility. We need to work on that. This guy has a, a weak core. He's susceptible to uh, soft tissue injuries, a la myself. Right, we're going to we're going to put them on a core program. Um, they, they 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 go over all that stuff, right? And then they come up with a detailed plan. They'll tell you to come in the training room, and that's what I mentioned doing like prehab. You're not yet you're not yet injured, but you're more at risk of getting injured because of um, some variables that they that they spotted. So um, they you'd be so surprised, man. I mean, they they do DEXA scans, body scans. I mean, they have. <laughs> They have all this stuff on file, Matt. They know you, you and your body so well, and uh, it's just amazing how how advanced the technology is and how, oh, man, there's just so many resources. And then they work hand-in-hand hand with the nutrition staff and, and getting the right supplements. Yeah. To, to, oh, man, Matt, it's impressive. It's so impressive. I wish you I wish that you was, That was trip. my next question. <laughs> uh, I'd love to, uh, but that was my next question is that they're probably communicating with the nutrition staff, too, to make sure that you're getting – the right vitamins, the proteins, whatever the case may be, in order to strengthen that particular muscle or injury. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. It's uh, a long way between um, Gatorade and salt pills. That's right. Yeah, no, they 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 do they do it all, man. They'll run tests, and yeah, if you if you're deficient in anything, they add that to your regiment. I mean, and, and I'm saying this is each player, Matt. I mean, it's not just all oh, we're just going to do the starters. No, this. 
this is every guy on the team because they care for you, you know, not just only as a player, but as a person, they want you to be as healthy as possible. And, uh, again, I know I'm biased because I went to Alabama, but I've, I've experienced firsthand and I, I love to brag on it because it truly is remarkable and it's unlike any other place I've ever been to. Matt, I know we're going to uh, talk with Steve Irvine here just in a second about uh, all things UAB, UAB basketball, and uh, the hiring of Trent Dilfer, some controversial statements that Dilfer has made, the splash that he's made, uh, not just here but nationally. But on the other side of that, I have a big, big, big gripe with the NFL. The Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, I know. The this Cincinnati home, Bengals got hosed by the NFL. I'm I, sure that was their intent. I can't believe it. You think? It, look, they got they got in a word screwed. We will get to that. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. We'll we'll talk a little bit about UAB about Dilfer because he he came out swinging and then some. You're listening to Big Noon. Back in a minute. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about that sound? You're listening to a set of GE appliances, complete with... Back on Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lars and Christian. And, oh, we're still after we can get in touch with Steve Irvine, so should I just allow you to rant here? <laughs> All right, so the NFL decided to uh, cancel the bills Bengals game. And, uh, and I think it's the first time in, I don't know, 35, 40 years that a game has actually been canceled. And what they've decided to do, um, I think uh, Cincinnati got the uh, short straw here. Um, So essentially, and this is just from Cincinnati's perspective, they have been awarded uh, champions of the AFC North, okay, Uh, based on winning percentage. And they are playing the Ravens on Sunday. Now... If the Ravens uh, win that game, uh, there is going to be a coin flip. Even though the Bengals have been awarded AFC North champions, there's going to be a coin flip to decide if that game is played in Cincinnati or in Baltimore. A coin flip. Now, look, already the fact that, that you are awarding the Bengals the AFC North champions, that has ramifications because the, they are going to have a uh, lower draft pick than the Ravens. They are going to be playing a first-place schedule next year, and yet they may have to go on the road in the first round of the playoffs. They may be the first division champs in the history of the NFL 
never to have a home game, and they could go all the way to the AFC Championship game. They could make, they could go to the Super Bowl. And never play at home? Never play at home. Okay. That, and, and, your use of the word screwed earlier seems appropriate. And, and, and what's, what's really weird is Cincinnati uh, is most likely they're going to be the three seed, and the Ravens are going to be the sixth seed. And uh, if no matter what happens, let's say the Bengals have to go on the road as a third seed in the first round, so, and then they win the game, then suddenly they revert back to the three seed. And then if the uh, if uh, Kansas City and Buffalo were to somehow both lose, the Bengals would host the uh, AFC Championship game, but not the first round game. If they end up having to play Buffalo, most likely in the AFC Championship game, then it would be held at a neutral site. And look, everything is secondary to the injury. I get that. But look at what happened in that game. Bengals get the ball, boom, 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 touchdown. They just went right through that Buffalo defense, eviscerated them. What happens next? Buffalo gets the ball, they go down, Bengals hold, them to, Bengals hold them to a field goal. What happens next? Bengals, boom, 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 going right down the field. Uh, it's on the other side of the 50 when the injury occurs. Certainly looks like the Bengals are about ready to score again. Most likely, I would say, I would argue a touchdown. They're about ready to go up, I think, in my mind, 14-3. to three. And so now they call it a can, – they cancel the game. Now they could have awarded the Bengals the victory. They could have just called it a tie. But now it's as if that game never was played. Well, once they called it, did they have another choice? Yes. They, they, hey, the, the, the NFL's making up the rules here as they go along. Well, I will say this, though. Once they call the game, the um, what had happened to that point doesn't matter. I disagree because they could have they, – they, they absolutely could have played the game next week. Because of well, the bye missing my point. Once the NFL made that decision, there's no way what happened during that game should have any influence going forward. Well, they could. Why? Because they said the game doesn't exist. It's not played. It's it's zero I, zero. Oh, oh, okay. Well, uh, so I, okay. I mean, they can't I, go. So okay. Once I, they I made understand. that decision. But why make that decision? Well, I mean that, that you're going to have to have Rod, Roger that. But let me ask you this: you know, being being you know an adversary here. What could they have done differently? They could uh, just simply go by winning percentage. I mean, I think that's the most logical thing to do. Go by winning percentage. Because that's essentially what they're doing in awarding the Bengals the AFC North champion right now. And, and, And based on other outcomes, they could have rested their players. What if they go out on Sunday and Joe Burrow uh, rips up his knee? Because they got to play Burrow in this game because it's now a must win for the Bengals to get a home field uh, game in the first round. Wow. Christian, jump in here anytime. <laughs> and keep in mind that this is a guy you're talking with, Lars Anderson, that once thought the Bengals quarterback was his uncle. Oh, wow. I, I'm, <laughs> it's a long story. It's a whole other story. Yeah, you might need to fill me in on that one. I'm, I'm, you got me lost now. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm just trying to explain to you how big a Bengals fan this guy is and how absolutely sometimes logic fails on him. Yeah, I'm joking with you, Lars. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest. I, uh, I I don't really understand the whole seed ink and, and and how all this works. I I, I I kind of mentioned it briefly, but I'm not just saying this, and it's probably you know in part due to playing for Coach Saban. I've never understood or cared about a lot of implications in in, in situations and games. I just all, my, my mindset was going out there doing my job and ultimately winning. That guy. I, I wish I was like being funny, but I'm I'm so serious. Like even in the, I have no clue how half that stuff works. In my mind, it's like if you win, that solves everything. I think like Ron Rivera got flat because he kind of was saying that same approach too. Now, granted, he's a head coach and he probably should be a little more aware uh, on a situational basis. But as a player, like our job is just to trust that the coaches are, are going to put us in a position to to be successful, and our job is to go out there and execute. <laughs> so. I, I don't know. I, I saw that Joe Mixon had mentioned something about maybe they had gone back on some original rules. Um, did y'all see that? I guess they're saying this is quoted in an article. It yeah. says if a game is canceled, a team standing in its division or in its conference, um, for example, qualification as a wild card on the playoffs or position in playoff seating shall be determined on the basis of its final record. That's what the rules state. Um, so I, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. they're not following up on that. And, and also, if for some reason the Ravens and the Bengals don't meet in the first round, but they meet in the second round, it's automatically in Cincinnati. Wait, <laughs> this so, only applies to the first. It only applies to the first round where there's a coin flip. There would be no coin flip if they meet in the second round or in in the divisional round or in the uh, AFC Championship game. So what about the the neutral? I mean, well, obviously, what done. about the neutral site uh, memo that they had released uh, yesterday? What what is that about, Lars? Do you know? Uh, it is complicated. Uh, basically, it says that if either uh Kansas if Kansas City ends up facing Buffalo in the AFC Championship game that will be held at a neutral site if Kansas City loses and Buffalo loses and Cincinnati wins and then Cincinnati faces one of those two teams in the uh if they lose what I mean by on uh this weekend uh, and Cincinnati wins, then they would meet at a neutral site. It, it, it's really complicated. It, no it, it, it is. It, it is. It is hard to understand. And I just think they should just simply go by winning percentage. I mean, isn't that the default method? Shouldn't that be the default method, Matt? I, I will say this, and and I've I've kind of read through some of the tiebreakers and, and the things that we do, you know, about divisions and all that kind of stuff, but. All of that aside, any time in the world of sports other than the beginning of a football game, I hear the words coin flip to determine an outcome, a site, or an advantage to one team or other, I want to throw up. Yes. It just should never, ever come to that, and that's that's where I start. Now, this thing is just in you describing it. You're sitting three feet away from me. I still don't understand. Do you understand, Christian? I'll Help be on, I'll no, be honest. It, it, I really. I, again, I don't. I don't know how all this works, and I, I don't know if people feel so passionate about it because they have a better understanding of how, how playoff seedings. And, and you would think, as a player, I would know this stuff, but 
again, I think just playing for Alabama and Coach Saban has really uh, altered my mindset in terms of, of, you know, really knowing all that. Like I said, it, our focus is always, you know, remove the external factors and just focus on winning. So, I, unfortunately, I feel like that's playing a role right here. Probably should probably should educate myself uh, after the show. But, yeah, Lars, I'm just going to trust your guidance on this one. Yeah, it, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, and, and again, but, I, but I'm just saying, uh, Cincinnati may end up winning the division and losing a coin flip and then having to go on the road. However, they still would uh, get a lower draft pick than the Ravens and probably more important, they have to play the first place schedule next year. How is any of that fair? It doesn't appear to be. I mean, if, 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 if they'd if, have done it another way, would another team have been well, equally as hosed? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. If this is the Dallas Cowboys, do you think they do this to them? Wow. Whoa. Lars, Mr. Conspiracy guy here. <laughs> the Bengals got hosed. They got hosed. And I get it. Hey, go out and win the game on Sunday. But they could have had a chance to rest all their starters in what would have been a meaningless game had they beaten Buffalo. And it looked like they were, and I know the game was early, but they were they were winning that game. They were winning that game. The first quarter wasn't over. They were winning that game. Uh, if you'd have been a Bills fan, would you be thinking Bengals was going to come back and win it? I mean, if it, the score had been the uh, – wouldn't you have been thinking the Bengals are going to come back and win. You're not affording the other side to believe that. Bengals were winning the game. <laughs> hey, I'm, as I, complicated hey, as well you know as what? I, it, 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 it really sucks when facts get in the way of certain arguments. And, and there's a saying in the, in the legal profession, my dad is a lawyer, bad facts makes bad law. Well, you know what? Bad facts just made bad policy in the NFL. When we get back, we're not going to talk about this anymore. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Road tripping, business travel, or bringing your car in for repairs. All great reasons to rent a Toyota at Tuscaloosa Toyota. You can rent... Partially sunny with a high at 63. And Sunday cloudy, some light rain at times during the day. Sunday's high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. I sold the farm to take my... And as well, while... Where she longed to be We left our kin And all our friends Back there in Tennessee I bought those one-way tickets She had often begged me for And they took us to the streets Back on Big Noon Sports Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter here I'm uh, just going to run through a few stories here, maybe even a day old, but going to get rapid-fire response from you guys. Um, Michigan, NCAA, Harbaugh. Lars, you're on. Uh, not a good week for Jim Harbaugh. Not a good week at all. Um, he met with the NFL team, a lot of rumors swirling that if he's offered a job, 
uh, in the NFL. He's going to bolt Michigan. Um, and obviously losing to TCU in the national semifinal, six straight loss for Harbaugh in the bowl game. And it used to be at Michigan, hey, you beat Ohio State, you're good to go. But uh, the fact that, uh, uh, again, six straight losses, getting beat by TCU, which I would argue is the biggest upset in the history of the college football playoffs, uh, not a good week for Harbaugh, and now uh, looking down the barrel at uh, multiple game suspension based on recruiting violations during the COVID year. Christian. You're telling me it goes back to the COVID year? So you were saying two years ago? Yeah. And this... Yeah, they were uh, apparently, uh, allegedly, they were recruiting. Contact? Yes, they, they were recruiting in what should have been a downtime during COVID. Yeah, I mean... I mean, rules are rules. I mean, I highly doubt he was the only one doing that, if I'm being honest with you. But I guess <laughs> he got caught, and uh, I'm just surprised. I mean, they're they're going back two years ago, but, I mean, I guess it's not that long ago. But I just wonder how that comes up, right? Like, is it just because they were in the focus? They're, you know, in the college football playoffs, and I, I don't know. I just wonder how that comes up from two years ago. But, you know, you, know, you do the crime, you got to do the time. So if they uh, are found guilty of the impermissible contact during that time then i guess they'll be um awarded a penalty and um you know again it's 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 not uncommon I mean, we see that pretty often you know it's with the dead periods in the in the the timing you, you really have to be aware of you know some, i'll be honest sometimes i feel like coaches um do make mistakes with that but obviously other times they're they're not but i'm really curious to see his next steps i know he says he wants to stay at michigan um, however, there's a lot of rumors swirling about him returning to the NFL. I know my former team seems to be um, vocal about being interested in him. Uh, the Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, has had conversations with him about the head coaching position. So um, wouldn't be shocked if he returns to the NFL, but um, I also could see him staying at Michigan. It's just kind of a, a toss-up right now, I feel like. I think he'd take an NFL job if it was out there. Well, yeah, he's got. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's got the opportunity. Again, the the owner yeah. of the Panthers is acknowledging that he's interested in hiring him. So, um, if he really wanted it, he he could have one. At least that one. I also heard the Indianapolis Colts would be a, a potential destination for him. And I think both of those jobs are attractive because, well, I think especially the Colts. Because the Colts really underperformed this year, and they're going to have a high draft pick. You can get one of the really good quarterbacks coming out of college, and you can build your whole franchise around that quarterback. I mean, there's nothing that uh, sort of creates long-term stability for a coach in the NFL like drafting a franchise quarterback. You're listening to Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lars. I don't know if we can do it up. to just brush on this, Chris Beard out at Texas. Um, this is a guy that, what, three or four weeks ago was suspended without pay for alleged um, abuse within the family. Um, his fiance came out 11 days later and said, no, that didn't happen. Texas is not buying any of it. And from what I have read earlier today, um, he's out, no pay, nothing. They can take him to court. Texas is saying, you're not getting a penny. Yeah, they're firing him for cause or with cause, whatever the phrase yeah, is. Yeah, guaranteed contract, but it's not guaranteed there, right? Right, yeah. Um, you know, just the the evidence looks bad, uh, and I, clearly Texas officials know more about this than we do. 
uh, on the court. He was doing a, a, a very good job. But, uh, you know, uh, there's a, a line that evidently was crossed and and um, they let him go. And uh, I, I, I really you – know, look, if there was any domestic violence, and obviously you, you got you to gotta get rid of the guy – and let the uh, the the, the uh, due process of the criminal courts take place, but uh, um, I don't think Texas could afford to do that based on the PR hits that they were taking. Evidently, Texas has a file too, so maybe that wasn't the only deal. Christian, as we go to break and continue to talk about basketball, are you going to go see Alabama and Kentucky tomorrow? Put pressure on you. I guess. <laughs> There's a good chance I go. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching them this season. Uh, each game I go to, I feel like they just keep getting better and better. And uh, We talked about it a little bit earlier in the week, but this past game, man, just watching those guys, especially Brandon Miller, uh, man, truly a good time to be an Alabama basketball fan. So I, I probably will attend it, Matt. Well, I'll be watching. Uh, I don't know. If you got an extra seat, let me know. All right, <laughs> you're listening to Big Name Sports when we come <laughs> When we come back, we will uh, talk with Steve Irvine, UAB and all. And also your buddy Cole Thompson uh, from your class will be with us at the bottom of the hour. Yep, or one thirty. Cole Thompson, who covers the Houston Texans, is going to uh, join us. Look forward to that. Let me guess. Unknown caller. You could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Um, To be able to, when I said that we had a treat in store, um, it was just, uh, you could see the look on their eye in anticipation of what was probably coming. And and then uh, to get the Zoom, and when he came on the screen, um, and Tabani, our assistant trainer, has done a phenomenal job out there um, helping facilitate that this morning as well. And to, to see the players' reaction, um, they stood up right away and, and, and clapped for him and, you know, yelled some things to him and, it was a pretty pretty cool exchange for a few seconds there. Bill's head coach McDermott talking about uh, how literally the uh, the crowd went wild when Hamlin appeared on the big screen and addressed his his teammates, which is just still remains just a, a miraculous story. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, as you heard, it's Christian, Matt, and Lars, and now being joined by. The sports editor and writer for 1819 News, and that is Steve Irvine. He's a regular contributor to this show. We appreciate that. Uh, Steve, Happy New Year, man. How's it going? Good, man. Happy New Year to y'all. Um, everything's going along uh, fabulously, and I do want to talk with you uh, about the national championship game and all these different things, but I, I think it's very fair to ask because you've been a longtime member of the media, a sports guy, uh, just to reflect a few minutes uh, or seconds here on um, what happened Monday night to Demar Hamlin and the information that we're getting tonight is just nothing short of a miracle. 
Yeah, what a uh, what a terrible moment, you know, at that time. Uh, I didn't see it live, you know, saw it pretty quickly after. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's something that, that um, you know, everybody dreads, no matter who you are or what you do, you know, that, uh, you know, dreads a moment like that. And it was such a scary moment. And, and, and to hear what, you know, what happened today was just, uh, you know, I mean, if you're if you're the crying type, it brings you to tears, and 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 I hate to admit it, I'm the crying type, you know, and and uh, just to um, just to see how far he's come already, you know, now and uh, from where he was laying on that field, um, it was just terrible. And, you know, unfortunately, I've never been in a situation where I had to cover. I mean, I've had to cover some some things peripherally on that, you know, maybe it didn't happen. In front of Unfortunately, I've never had to cover something that's happened right in front of me quite like that. But um, just, um, you know, I just, I think it's proof that, you know, prayer works. And, um, you know, let's keep praying. Steve, uh, as hard as it is, let's switch gears to UAB football and their new coach, Trent Dilfer. Uh, since the day he was hired until now, uh, just give us your assessment of all of all things Trent Dilfer. Well, no, it, it's been it's been crazy, you know. I mean, I think th- these guys have been uh, you know running around crazy. You know, Trent Dilfer's been running around crazy. I think a lot of it is you know just learning curve. You know, learning curve on you know exactly you know how this whole process works. You know, you got a lot of guys that are in new positions, including Trent Dilfer and. You know, I was just over there now talking to some people, and, uh, I mean, it's just there's people running everywhere, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, and football officers are generally like that, but, I mean, it's it's kind of that times 10, it looks like, because, um, one, they've got a big recruiting weekend coming up, uh, this, you know, starting today, of, of mid-year guys, and there's still some uh, spots that they're trying to get mid-year guy in, guys in, and, you know, I mean, the other thing that you have in there is, you know, you have at least four guys. You know, Alex Mortensen was at Alabama. Uh, they had two guys, Miguel Patrick and uh, Riley Jeffers were at Ohio State. And then uh, uh, Nick Coleman, who's going to be the quarterback coach, he was actually calling the plays for South Carolina in their bowl game. So you've had some guys here that are, have been doing double duty, trying to run back and forth. So it's just a really hectic time, you know, like, like it is for every staff. But for them, it's just, like I said, it's kind of almost like times ten because there's such a big learning curve there. Steve, in this day and age, um, we see that a lot of teams are going to the transfer portal uh, to find players. Has UAB, UAB been able to do that? Yeah, Chris, yeah, they, they have. They, you know, they, they really haven't done anything yet. That's what this weekend's going to be. I, I, I expect to be maybe, you know, five, six, seven kind of transfer portal guys come out this weekend that, uh, the only ones I know for sure, there's two cornerbacks from Incarnate Word who was, you know, in semifinals in, in FCS that are two really good players that uh, are going to be on campus among this group. But, you know, so far it hasn't, you know, the early, the one thing that Trent Dilfer and his, his recruiting people did early was they wanted to get some high school and some junior college guys in and really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the transfer portal early. They wanted to get kind of a, almost, a, almost like a base type of thing early and in this period right now with this with this weekend and going forward a little bit is where they're really going to try to hit the portal a little harder but you know like i say i expect to be probably five six seven kids out of the portal 
I want to try and word this as carefully as I can here, but UAB has a, a very interesting, to say the very least, football history. Um, I mean, it, it kind of started and, and remains the, the in the shadow of Alabama. Of course, we know it really when it started. Alabama didn't want to play in football, won't play them in football. Um, but is and, and then, you know, of course, there's the start and stop and then the, the unbelievable comeback. Is, is Dilf, does Dilfer seem to kind of be aware of the culture of what we know as UAB football as opposed to somebody coming in from outside the state would know about the Blazers? He knows, he knows a little bit. I mean, you know, you know, the one thing about I've noticed already about Trent Dilfer is he wants to learn right now. You know, he doesn't want to go, okay, well, hey, let's finish this, and then we'll learn, you know, we'll learn some stuff. I mean, he's the kind of guy that, that wants to learn, no matter what it is, he wants to learn right now. So I think he's learned a lot about it. Uh, I do think that he's come in with a, kind of a fresh approach of, um, you know, he, he, he made the Auburn people mad because of one something some he said, and he didn't really mean it this way. He just said when, you know, on recruiting day or on signing day, he said, you know, hey, the way I look at it, uh, you know, we want to get kids out of Alabama, and, and, you know, so the kids that don't go to Alabama, they should be ours. You know, and didn't mention Auburn. He got Auburn all mad. But, you know, I don't think he really cares about getting people mad. But, but you know, he, he just – that's kind of the way he feels. He comes in with this sort of a fresh attitude that, that he really doesn't care, you know, uh, about what the landscape is. He wants to know about it, but I don't know that he cares about it as much. If he thinks that um, it's right for his program, he's going to go do it. Steve, I, I asked you about the transfer portal, and I want to ask you about NIL. How difficult is it for a program like UAB to compete with some of these bigger schools that have more of that NIL money to offer these recruits? How, how, how difficult is it for UAB to keep up with these schools and, and try to compete with these bigger schools to get some of these uh, more sought-after recruits? Well, it's, it's past difficult. It's impossible, really. I mean, it's just uh, the way the system's set up right now. You know, not that you're, you know, you're going to get a kid or two that, that, you know, might have a better NIL deal somewhere else or does have an NIL deal uh, offer somewhere else. But for the most part, you're just not going to get those kids. You know, I mean, it's just the way it is. And, and I mean, it's understandable. I mean, think of yourself, you know, when you're playing days. I mean, if, if somebody, if this, if this kind of system was in place and somebody says to you, hey, I, you know, I give you this, and the other guy comes and says, hey, I can't give you this, well, it's pretty easy where you got to go. So it's hard to, it, you know, it's just it's hard to compete with it, but I think you just have to, um, you know, you, you just have to fight the battles. I think that's the one thing that schools like UAB do is they, they fight the battles they think they can win. If they find out really quickly that, that they can't win it because of the NIL or whatever it may be, then they move out of that. I mean, I, I think that's the, the key on this is you've got to move quick, though. I don't think you need to fight a battle that you're not going to win and waste a bunch of time. Just go ahead and, and go to the next guy and say, hey, we're, we're going to go try to get this guy. And I think that's one thing that that, um, that I think I think Trent Dilver and his staff have, have figured out really fast. Our guest is Steve Irvine from 1819 News. Going to switch it real quick to basketball. Last night, UAB on the road at Florida Atlantic and lost an absolute thriller of a game, 88-86. to 
I get the feeling that uh, these two teams are going to be top of the heap when it comes down to conference tournament time. I agree with you. And that was a great game, wasn't it? Boy, that was a fun game to watch. And You know, you know, there's been a lot of maybe some overreaction about it. You know, yeah, you know, Jelly didn't have his best game. You know, he played better than he did against UTEP. But, you know, and there were some mistakes and there was some foul trouble. And, uh, you know, they have a guy who averaged nine points, scored 36 on them. Uh, you know, so there was a lot of things that happened in that game that you can learn from. But, you know, I, I do. I think that um, – and honestly, I mean, just just watching it, in my opinion, and they're very good. FAU is very good, but you know, I think UAB on a on a neutral floor, and um, and, and at Bartow Arena are, are better. I mean, I think they they're just a little bit better team when they're playing like they can play. But man, what a great game and fun game to watch. And Dusty May, you know, when he was here at UAB, he was at UAB under Mike Davis, and you could tell right then that you know, you could tell pretty quickly that. He was going to be a really good coach, you know, really good coach one day, and you know he's he's there, you know, and and they've got a lot of talent, and um, they're going to keep winning, but I think they're going to, you know, they'll, they'll definitely see each other down the road. Speaking of UAB basketball, I believe they face FIU tomorrow. Could you just preview that game a little bit for us, Steve? Yeah, it's it's you know FIU has struggled. Uh, they they haven't really played well, but then they go and, and beat Charlotte, a good Charlotte team last night for their first uh, conference win. So, you know, I think that uh, they like they like the three ball kind of like uh, FAU does, and and uh, so I think they're going to have to uh, you know UAB is going to have to defend that a little better than they did last night. Uh, even though they didn't, you know, they weren't terrible, but I mean, I think there were some open threes they left, and you know, and and the bottom line is UAB is going to have to show up. I mean, you know. It's hard to bounce back from a game like last night, especially when you're talking about having to bounce back right away. I mean, they have a practice today, and then they play tomorrow. So if UAB shows up, they'll be fine. If not, it's going to be a struggle. All right, as we roll out here, Steve, tell everybody how they can read you and uh, a little bit of information on 1819 Sports and also who you got Monday night, Georgia or TCU. Uh, 1819news.com. You get everything you want to go to the sports side on that. Uh, we, uh, like I said, we, I've told us that before, we try to cover statewide. Uh, do a lot of stuff on Birmingham area, but try to cover statewide. So give, give us a, uh, give us a read. And, and, uh, I mean, you got to go Georgia, right? I mean, I, I would love to see, oh, yeah. I would love to see TT win because it'd be like I was reading a, a Dan Jenkins novel. I love Dan Jenkins. It was my favorite ever. And so if the TC wins, it'll be like a Dan Jenkins novel, but i got to go Georgia. <laughs> I think that's where the smart money is. Thank you, Steve. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you, Tom. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. When we get back, I want to talk with, uh, we'll talk with Christian at length about uh, the transfer portal. It's just, I mean, this Hartman to Notre Dame thing has just got me scratching my head. Of course, a lot of things they do these days. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Dancing crew, trip for two, nail the final interview. Game with Doug. Grand- Actually sunny with a high at 63. And Sunday cloudy, some light rain at times during the day. Sunday's high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
thing is, you don't have to worry. Give us. Friday afternoon of Big Noon Sports with Lars, Christian, Matt. You got Josh, you got Joe, you got Aiden. Appreciate everybody contributing to the show. We'll read this morning, Sam Hartman, record-setting quarterback with the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest, has decided he's going to transfer and play his, yes, one, two, three, four, five, sixth year uh, with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's quarterback for most of this year, Drew Payne, Pine, had already transferred to Arizona State. Um, Christian, if if you're a guy that played with Wake Forest and Sam Hartman this this past year, or in his five years there, what are your feelings when a guy like this goes? You know, I'd be you know a little disappointed, but um, you, you, if you're saying this is his sixth season, um, you know, I feel like I hate to say this, but I feel like he's given his time to Wake Forest. Um, you know, and and. Look, this is the reality of college football now. You know, he's not doing any anything out of the norm. I mean, this is what everybody's doing at this point, right? And if I'm him, maybe, you know, maybe this is – if I'm him, this is maybe what he's thinking is, you know, Notre Dame could provide a bigger platform for him. You know, Wake Forest is, is, a, great, is a great school, but, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, Notre Dame, I'm looking uh, at their schedule right now for 2023. Uh, first three games are cupcake games, but after that they, they face Ohio State – uh, Southern Cal, Wake Forest, um, uh, Clemson, Stanford. Uh, you know, so those are some of the notable teams on there. So who have a bigger platform, get to play against some some better programs and competition, which could further increase his draft stock. Um, so it, you know, uh, again, this is this is the name of the game of college football. So it, it's part of the process now, and I guess it's just here to stay, and we'll just have to adjust and adapt to it. But um, again, with him, you know, already serving. F- Five years, I think you just mentioned at Wake Forest. I mean, it's it's tough to, you know, to argue that. I'd obviously love to have him as my teammate for his final season, but um, I also understand that he's put his time in and um, he deserves an opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I think this is a uh, a big get for it's a big get for Notre Dame. Uh, Hartman was uh, widely regarded as the top quarterback in the transfer portal. Um, he uh, obviously has experience. He holds the ACC record for passing touchdowns with 110. He's 23 years old. Um, he'll provide like a nice sort of uh, gap, or, uh, like a sort of a stopgap between whoever Notre Dame brings in and, and grooms to be the long-term starter. And also, you can't underestimate just the, the the brand of Notre Dame and the NIL possibilities that this kid is going to have. And um, yeah, I, I I have no problem with him uh, with him uh, transferring. Uh, man, I mean, you just look at his stats and playing for Wake Forest. Uh, he, this year, he completed a career best sixty three point one of his passes, thirty seven hundred yards, thirty eight TDs, twelve interceptions. 
uh, led the Demon Deacons to an eight and five record, including a uh, win over South Carolina and our guy Shane Beamer in uh, in the Gator. Uh, excuse me, that was Notre Dame. Notre Dame beat North, North, uh, South Carolina in in the Gator Bowl. Um, and, and last year, Notre Dame went nine and four. Um, and, um, and, and look, the fighting Irish, they were a disappointment last year. They started the season ranked number five in the country, and then they lost their first two games. And, uh, but then they had a, uh, five game winning streak. And so, um, I, I think he, you know, he could be, uh, it could not only increase his profile, increase his ability to earn money in nil but also could increase his um his draft stock because he is going to be going against frankly better competition than he was going to face in the acc matt yep and when it's all said and done i i agree with what christian said you know his five years at wake that's a pretty significant contribution 110 passing touchdowns that's an all-time record for the acc um, but going more on the transfer portal, um, you see where Trey Sanders is uh, going to go to TCU. I think he's the third Alabama player that's going to go to Fort Worth. But, man, this pops up him. about once a week. In this case, it's a USC to a USC. Lincoln Riley just owns NIL slash the transfer portal. Marshawn Lloyd, talented running back for your buddy Beamer. He's going to USC. And... I don't think I have to be some Phi Beta Kappa of football and NIL to figure this out. He got a better offer. Yeah. Follow the money. And who follow has more money, money than anybody? Money, I mean, I guess the money you got, in politics, follow the money in sports now. You got, uh, I mean, you got the Texas teams, but other than that, I don't think anybody at USC can keep up. And they may be ahead of them. I agree. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a big hit for uh, Shane Beamer and a real up-and-coming South Carolina program. Uh, a lot of exciting things going on there. But, um, gosh, you know, you look at USC, South Car- or Southern California, before they join the SEC, and that is, what, uh, in 2024? Or is that there's still some debate about that? Uh, before USC goes to the SEC, yeah, yeah. Wait, am, hold, USC, hold on. USC's uh, going to the Big Ten. The, USC's going to the Big Ten. Gosh, I I, I am confused. Uh, I'm a little week. discombobulated here. Oh, uh, <laughs> literally, um, inside joke with Matt. Oh. Uh, but um, but look, their their path, the USC's path. The the, the larger point here. USC's path to the national championship is about to get a lot harder. And this season, 2023, uh, really is for Lincoln Riley. uh, I think he can sell this. Like, hey, we can win the Pac-12 because the level of competition simply isn't that good. It's not certainly, uh, we're not going to have to play Ohio State. We're not going to have to play Michigan. We're not going to have to play Nebraska. All right, market one twenty five. No, I I just think USC is a very attractive place because of NIL money uh, and uh, in 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 Lincoln Riley 
and also the fact that, uh, again, they're playing in the Pac-12, and once they make that jump to the Big Ten, it's just frankly going to be a lot harder. Absolutely. Um, who do you want to play, Arizona State <laughs> or Michigan? Or, you know, there are a lot of other great teams in the Big Ten, too. So, yes, it will become more more and more difficult. I'm going to just pull the gloves off before we go to break and, and talk to Cole. I'm just going to ask a question I've wanted to pose to Christian Miller. I'm glad he's at a distance. This is the <laughs> one thing that had bothered me about the transfer portal. If you've got a guy that has been absolutely busting it, it's his senior year, and then here, here comes Sam Hartman. Christian, if you were the odds-on guy that's going to be playing and all of a sudden Will Anderson transfers in, what do you do? Outcompete his ass. I'm, I don't run from competition. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why I came to what Alabama in the first answer. place. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't shy away from competition. I came here and knew I was going to have to go against the best of the best, and that's what I wanted. I thrive in uh, situations like that. So I don't know. Maybe somebody will tell you different, you know what? not Christian Miller. I get you, you know who's smiling ear to ear right now? Corey, Corey, Corey Miller. Miller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when we get back, we will uh, we'll talk some NFL, some some Houston Texans, but NFL uh, overall, particularly with the Demar Hamlin situation with Cole Thompson. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm... Back on Big Noon Sports, Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Colfer now joined by Cole Thompson, who covers the Houston, Texas. Texans on a regular basis. He also has some media outlets we're going to pass along as well. But first, uh, Cole, welcome. Happy New Year. And um, like every other guest I think we've had this week, we lead with a question with your thoughts about uh, Hamlin, uh, the injury, and remarkable recovery. They really testament of just how much it means to see someone go down and how it rallies a country together. You know, you watch people who have different political opinions, you watch people who have different religious backgrounds put down their swords for a quick second and realize that a life is now fighting for doing nothing more than trying to achieve his dream. And I've reached out to multiple people this past week within the Texans organization, around the, around the realm of Pitt, where he played his college football. And everyone said the exact same thing. This was a warrior on and off the field, but he was a leader that people wanted to rally around. So it's one of those things where they all said we had no concern about a guy like DeMar Hamlin fighting through this. If anyone could pull through, it would be DeMar. And it is a testament how much modern medicine and how the reaction time of those officials and those who work in the likes of this department of uh, medical, uh, medical, uh, medical adjustments we're willing to go ahead and be able to react as quickly as possible. Uh, I think a lot of people need to understand that this is unfortunate, but it's a one-in-a-million fluke that happens in football. Nothing could be prevented. No blame should be put on T. Higgins, the wide receiver who lowered his shoulder to get the first down. No blame should be put on the overall tackling style. This is a clean, routine tackle, according to multiple people that I've spoken to who have do this for a living and make millions of dollars. But at the same time, I think that everyone is just relaxed and relieved knowing that Hamlin is improving day by day. 
His vitals are getting back to normal. He this morning was taken off with a breathing tube, and he reached out actually to the Bills organization via FaceTime, telling them how much he loved the players, which seemed to be a very emotional moment for those inside the building at Orchard Park. Cole, as awkward as it is, I want to switch topics here to uh, NFL Draft. It appears that the Texans are going to have the number one overall pick. Uh, They're looking quarterback. Is Bryce Young the pick? Or C.J. Stroud had just an amazing game uh, in in the playoffs. Uh, Do they go with Stroud, who is a, you know, he's got a sturdier build? Or uh, ultimately, who do you think the pick will be? Well, it's not a guarantee if they get the number one pick. They still have to lose this weekend to the Indianapolis Colts, who will be starting former sixth-round pick dual-threat option Sam Ellinger, or they need to win, and the uh, Chicago Bears also need to beat the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota's not resting their starters. They want to go out there and they want to play because they have an opportunity to get the number two seed and potentially even the number one seed, depending on what happens with the likes of uh, the Philadelphia Eagles team against the New York Giants. So it's going to be a really compelling matchup, but... I think both quarterbacks now are a very hot commodity, and I think that Texans fans are warming up today to tell you the idea that if they don't land a Brian Young, C.J. Stroud is an excellent consolation prize and maybe just as talented as the player. The two main facets between the two that I really look at is, number one, the pocket awareness of Bryce Young. Uh, I've reached out to multiple NFL executives, and they said that he would already have a pocket awareness that reached top 10 level at the next level as a rookie. So when you think of that, his ability to evade the pressure, his ability ability to step up in the pocket, deliver clean, clean, quick strikes across the middle of the field is second to none. But the size and now the mobility aspect of what T.J. Stroud brings to the table is certainly another factor that's going to go into this conversation. Uh, one thing that we had a lot of concerns with going into the uh, Peach Bowl was Stroud's immobility. A lot of times he'd be a stature in the pocket. He didn't want to move his feet. Uh, he would rather go ahead and just take the sack and try and step up. If he moves outside the pocket, I'll wait for plays to unfold. Well, you watch that in this past game. He picked up four first downs with his legs. He averaged, I think it was 3.9 yards per carry. But he also took three sacks in the game, so that kind of diminished his series. It was actually more around 7.8. And they allowed him to have a little bit more continuity with the receivers. Ultimately, I think what it really comes down to, not just draft, not draft position, but how they look at the combine and how they look at the measurables. A lot of people that I've spoken to have said, that it does feel like Bryce Young is hiding something with his overall height. He's listed right now at 190, and he's listed at six foot. There was a, a photo that went out earlier this past week. I mean, earlier this past month, of him standing next to Mark Ingram. Well, Mark Ingram's five foot ten, and he's barely standing over him. So that could absolutely mean that he's actually shorter than five foot. I mean, shorter than six feet. Meanwhile, CJ Stroud comes in at six foot two, and we know the capabilities of these smaller, uh, smaller quarterbacks have to come dividends in the NFL. Baker Mayfield last year suffered a shoulder injury. Tua Tagovailoa is a great player, but you're constantly seeing him now in concussion protocol, not for egregious hits, but for average hits that wouldn't be fine in today's NFL. Even Jalen Hurts stands at six feet, and he had to take a shoulder injury because he wasn't able to see over the line of scrimmage. So it could be a conversation starter to where it really does come down to measurables, but I honestly think that either one of these two is a great option. Now, at number one, I feel like you go with Brent Young. I feel like if you're stuck at number two, the Bears are going to trade that pick. They're going to get an immense capital in return for uh, for a King's ransom size when it comes to a team like maybe Indianapolis looking to trade up, maybe a Washington Commanders looking to trade up, maybe even throw the Carolina Panthers in the conversation. If you miss out on Bryce Young, you're still getting a great option. CJ Stroud is the best way to put it. 
Cole, yeah, you're, I think you're exactly right. There, there definitely is going to be a lot of questions about Bryce's stature. However, I, I still feel that he's um, you know, more than capable of going number one overall. But let me ask you this in regards to the Texans. You know, they've struggled the past few seasons now. Do you feel that Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is the key to them finally getting right back on track and um, you know, going back to maybe having some winning seasons uh, like they did under uh, Deshaun Watson in recent years? I don't, and I'm probably one of the only few that's in the Texans spotlight that has basically catered to them actually passing on a quarterback like Bryce Young and go after a defensive player. This is a defensive line that allows an average of 5.2 yards per carry on the ground. They do not have a nice defensive tackle. They need to add more pressure. They're in bottom five in sack totals, and their leading sack artist is Jerry Hughes, who's going to be 34 this offseason and had a career year with 9.5 sacks, the highest he's had in the last five seasons. I actually would be leaning more Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, but I think the main thing we have to look at right now, who is going to be calling the defensive plays next season and who is going to be the next head coach. There is still speculation that Lovey Smith could be a one-and-done he could elect to potentially retire or resign from the position. And there's multiple names out there, but the two that I've heard the most as of right now are Philadelphia Eagles uh, defense coordinator Jonathan Gannon and Detroit Lions offense coordinator Ben Johnson. Now, if they keep the same 4-3 three, uh, three front as they do in Philadelphia, I think both Carter and Anderson would be an immense upgrade over what they currently have on the defensive line. But if they were to go to a 3-4 position, I feel like that's where Will Anderson maybe jumps Carter in the conversation. Ultimately, it's great to have a good, a good offense, but I do think if they were willing to like a guy like C.J. Stroud, maybe they can fall in love with an uh, Anthony Richardson out of Florida who would be available at pick number 12, which is the Browns pick. Maybe they would fall in love with the Will Anderson, have to trade up a little bit, maybe from pick number 12 to pick number 8. But still, there are viable candidates who can be capable franchise-caliber quarterbacks at the next level. There's not a defensive lineman built like Jalen Carter. There's very few pass rushers who have both the run-stopping set and the pass rushing set of a Will Anderson. This is a defense that still ranks bottom 10 in almost every DVOA category. And even though I do think that the offense needs to get an upgrade at quarterback, if you don't love one of these four guys, you're not going to be able to find another player like Carter or Anderson at pick number 12 or anywhere else in the NFL draft. Cole Thompson is our guest. I want to go back to DeMar Hamlin for just a second. Since you're in Houston and you cover the Texans, what is it like to be like in another city? Um, what's it like for the fan base there? Um, and what kind of plans do we know from the NFL or, or Houston specifically uh, going ahead in honor of Hamlin? So earlier this past week, they had a memorial where they allow, uh, where they turned the lights into Buffalo Bills colors. They took out the number zero on the 30-yard line earlier this past week for a photo op to where it would be Hamlin's number three. It's a very scary situation, and a lot of players realize that in football, it is a violent game. And even routine hits and even routine tackles can end up leading to countless life-threatening and, season- and life-career-ending injuries. I mean, you go back and you watch the play 10 times out of 10, T. Higgins did everything right on the plate. He lowered his shoulder, and DeMar Hamlin actually went down on his side. Multiple coaches, multiple players say, that's the way you want tackles. You don't want to land on your back. You don't want to land on your head. You want to land on your side for a better cushion. So it's just a really great reality wake-up call for, I think, a lot of different players. They understand what they do when they put their bodies, but they also put their life on the line. 
It also just feels like around the around the Houston area, there's been countless levels of support. Multiple players, including the Texans organization, have donated over $10,000 to Mar Hamlin's toy fund. That's a huge step for the organization. That's a huge step for multiple players. Uh, it, it just is a very sad telling story because of this is the young man who, according to Gene Morrissey, who was the center at Pitt when uh, Hamlin was there, always went above and beyond. He was the first person in the locker room. He was somebody that uh, Pat Narduzzi, the head coach, relied on. He actually was one of the, uh, he was actually the defensive player with the green dot in his helmet. So he was relaying the messages to the defense from the safety position. That's very uncommon in anywhere in the NFL and anywhere in college football. Usually the inside linebacker has that job. Uh, there's a lot of respect for a guy like Hamlin around the Pittsburgh area because of what he did as a child, what he did for his family. Uh, he was he used to go ahead and go to practice. Then he would come home, he'd have dinner, and he would help his mom with his uh, with her side hustle, cleaning offices late at night to where he wouldn't get home at times until 11 p.m., midnight, sometimes even 1 a.m., to have to wake up for 6 a.m. workouts the next day. He just is a very upstanding young gentleman. Uh, it just, uh, the NFL is doing everything in its power to make sure that Hamlin is comfortable. They're looking into resources of how to help Hamlin when he is eventually released from the hospital. Uh, but it, it just was a situation where it looked like every single player in the Texans locker room, uh, multiple, multiple names were linked to him during their time in Buffalo, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, uh, Jack Cloyce, the defensive line coach. All of them did their part to reach out, and uh, it, it was a very – somber moment on Wednesday when you met with uh, players and discussing the situation that occurred. All right, Cole, this is the most important question of the interview. How are the wedding plans coming? And do you fully appreciate now the power of two words? And those words are yes, honey. No, not the second one. That's for sure. Uh, wedding plan is going great. Uh, I don't know if you got your wedding invitation. You never texted me yet, so I'm still waiting for that answer, you know, on that one. Um, yeah, Kirsten's an alpha. Ooh. I mean, Kirsten's an alpha. I, I mean, I'll be completely real with you on that one. She's someone who literally takes matters into her own hands. There was a, um, an event that we were supposed to go to. I was late and she's like, no, I'm not canceling. I'm just going to go and I'm going to book it. You can just sit there and smile on wedding day. All right. Bye. That's a great, that's a great job, honey. I don't really... We don't really need to worry about any of that. So uh, it's going well. Uh, most of the stuff is done. The last thing that we need to do is finish with the catering and the cake. And then it's four months of relaxation before I say I do on June 17th. And have you told her where you're going uh, on your honeymoon, or is that going to be a surprise? Why don't you tell her, Yeah, I know. I, can I ruin that? Oh. Like I ruined uh, how you are going to uh, pop the question? Oh, no. She told me. She, she booked it. Like she booked it, and it's like, hey, we're going to St. Lucia. When? Oh, you know, for our honeymoon. Cool. Didn't have any say in it. Didn't get to have a conversation. I want to go to the mountains. She's like, no, we're going to go to St. Lucia. Great. I'll sign up. I need a vacation. Let's be real. I'm not going to complain that much. How do people follow you and listen to you and all? Oh, uh, you can follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson on Twitter. You can also listen to my radio show, Just Saying It, on the Sports Map Radio Network. Uh, you can download the Sports Map Radio app, and you can also download the podcast system on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube.com, Audioboom.com, or wherever else to get your podcast listening system. Thank you, Cole. Thank you, Cole. Thanks, guys. Good job, my friend. Yes, Cole. All Thank right. You guys. Uh, when we come back, we will uh, we'll wrap up a, a rather trying week in some ways on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains.
Texans. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Wireless headphones. That'll be $200. I'll use my Capital One Quicksilver card. Now that's a hit. You used the Capital One Quicksilver card, which makes you the hero. Partially sunny with a high at 63. And Sunday cloudy, some light rain at times during the day. Sunday's high at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 59 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Big Noon Sports Radio Network. Now on our website, it's bignoonsports.com. You can go there, read about the show, and maybe most importantly, it's certainly way up there, is you can just click and listen immediately. Um, also, uh, Twitter handle is at Big Noon Sports, so you can follow us there as well. Uh, been a long week. You guys collectively going to come up with maybe something, a topic or two we haven't brushed on. I will make this note that uh, it was announced this morning at the University of Alabama that the Golden Flake A-Day game will be played Saturday, April 22nd at 2023. So making your wedding plans and us not, Lars. <laughs> your, your trip to the beach. Yeah. Um, I do want to say just uh, to put a capper on uh, how the, the league really, uh, I will just say it, screwed Cincinnati. Uh, they ended up playing seven home games, nine away games, and um, if they win uh, on on uh, or sorry, if they lose on Sunday, it's going to come down to a coin flip uh, whether or not the first round playoff game with the Ravens is either in Baltimore or in Cincinnati. However, Cincinnati is going to be the three seed no matter what. Uh, and this has never happened before in the history of the NFL that uh, a division champion has not gotten a home game or the po- or possibly not gotten a home game. And to make matters worse, Cincinnati is going to be in a worse draft position and will face the first place schedule next year. So, uh, and and Zach Taylor, Katie Blackburn, uh, and, and Joe Burrow have all come out just saying, you know what, you screwed us. But we're going to come out fighting, and uh, they're they're angry. Frankly, they're angry. Uh, something tells me they'll respond in kind. I think so, Christian. How you wrap, wrap the week up? You know, it's definitely been a, a interesting week with so much news and with uh, the Demar Hamlin situation. But um, I feel that it's ending on on a positive note um, with. So many uh, positive updates um, for him, and uh, I think that's just a huge blessing in itself. And um, excited to see what the NFL has in store for the postseason. Um, not to mention the the college football national championship that will take place uh, Monday, I believe. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm, I'm actually really excited to watch that. You know, TCU uh, definitely has has me very optimistic that this is going to be an interesting game come Monday. And, um, you know, I think they proved that um, they they belong in this game after their showing against Michigan. And uh, obviously I'd love to see Alabama in this game, but um, unfortunately they aren't. So I'm just going to have to enjoy watching TCU and Georgia 
Uh, my gut tells me, you know, Georgia's going to win the game, but also feel that it's going to be a very competitive game, and uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk like some people might believe. Um, so I'm look, looking forward to that. You know, I'm going to keep my eyes on the DeMar Hamlin situation um, as it continues uh, to develop, um, but I'm also looking forward to, you know, seeing the developments in the national championship game and, and looking forward to watching that come Monday. Do you guys think now that TCU won the game against Michigan that the playoff committee got it right and Alabama should not have been in the Final Four? Ooh, Whoa, that's, that's such a loaded question to ask <laughs> to wrap up this week and to you know, question, go out onto the street. It's tough. It is a good question. Tough, but it's fair. fair. It's tough but fair. I, I'll say, Lars, I don't know if I can go as far to say is that you know Alabama didn't deserve to be in. I, I feel that they proved that you know talent wise um, they are they were more than capable of being in there. Like a lot of people knew, um, they just didn't want to see them in there. Um, however, I will say um, taking Alabama out of it, I will say that TCU did show and prove um, that they also earned their right in there and that they are talented. Um, and, and deserve to, to play in this championship game the way they went out in, in Thornton, Michigan. So, uh, God, that's, that's a tough question, Lars. It's a really good question, though, and I feel like that would be a great debate over the weekend. Then we can pick it up Monday. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, anyway. Uh, I've got a 15-hour faculty meeting to go to on Monday. So 15 uh, hours? <laughs> it feels like it. Uh, Are faculty meetings like I would imagine a faculty meeting to be like? Worse. You know what I always... Actually, I should not criticize my employer. Yeah, you probably should. <laughs> you know what I always look no, forward to yeah. in, in the days of uh, massive broadcasting, all that kind of stuff? Meeting with a consultant. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, it, it's a sight to behold when you put 25 PhDs in a room and see uh, them trying to make a decision. I don't have a PhD, so I just sit Well, then the they should let you quiet. make the decision. You've got, you've got that natural experience. <laughs> Christian, have a great weekend. Hello to your family. Yes, sir. You too, guys. Adjusting to the suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer.